welcome to Here If You Need. I'm Jennifer and I'll be joined by my BFF, Amy. And we're here if you need to talk through the stuff that as women, we're told not to talk about. Hi everyone, welcome. I've decided not to do the on today's episode because I always get it wrong. Oh, <laughs> I do edits afterwards. I like, yeah, new and improved format of just going straight into it. I love that. It, good morning. It's morning for you. It's night for me here in Sydney. Yeah, good I'm an morning. idiot. It's, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning in New York on yeah. a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Call well, me I crazy, am, but... <laughs> this time difference is just like going to kill us, but we persevere. So. <laughs> we persevere because we, we want to share these stories with you. We want to share our trauma. <laughs> yeah, well, it's trauma and it's healing though. Like I was listening to this podcast totally. the other day and they were saying that sharing stories heals, not just us, but it helps others and helps others heal. And I think like that just, it was so resonant within me I was like oh my gosh so true and like for me it kind of reiterated why I I wanted to start this podcast especially with you as well Amy like because I feel like we do have these discussions with one another and you know you've helped me get through some shit and I hope I've helped you get through some shit and it's just through like sharing our mutual stories or like listening and being being sappy again but like being here for for one another and that's why we're here for you if you need oh my god I love this new opening gas me up (laughs) (laughs) love that oh my god that was adorable I obviously feel the same way about you I started off as a fan remember so (laughs) yeah those were the days it was so long ago still number one fan to be fair but you know we've infiltrated the friendship barrier number one fan (laughs) and number one friend Yay. (laughs) She's a winner. She's a winner, baby. All right. Well, from the uh, title of today's episode, you'll know that we're talking about body positivity and like sharing our stories. And and before we jumped on the, the podcast, we kind of said that we'd ask each other what body positivity and like what self-love means to either one of us. Yeah. I think that's a good way because to, to, just to define what exactly it means because I think there's so many different, ter- you know, there's so many different ways to define self-love. So yeah. I think it'd be really good to clarify exactly what we mean when we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, do you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So look, um, I think in the last five years, I mean, look, we live in a world that really profits from our insecurities. So I think that self-love and self-care and body positivity has become kind of, it's become a way to sell. It's become a way to sell us and just kind of further maintains the need for women to be constantly desirable, you know? So like, I always see brands that drive their marketing and lead with things like, um, treat yourself, buy this face mask, shave your legs, moisturize, pamper yourself, like all this stuff. Um, and they're like, we're not trying to sell you anything, babes. This is all about you. It's self-love, you know, but it's really painfully obvious that, um, you know, it's, obviously just marketing and they've they've used self-love as kind of a way to drive their sales but it worked you know like people buy into it I mean I've bought into it how could you not you know after years of internalizing all the messages about women's bodies and how we should look and all the impossible standards that were held to you know I think after a while it made me feel like my body wasn't even my own anymore and it was kind of you know for lack of like better term warped into something that I don't know that was groomed to be acceptable in you know, cis, white, thin 
patriarchal society. (laughs) I've started very doom and gloom, hasn't I? But, you know, doing a face mask and moisturising, is it does make me feel so nice, you know, but it's that instant kind of short-term validation. And I feel like when I do it, I I still kind of question why I'm doing it and if I actually like it or if I've been conditioned to like it, which is a real mind fuck, I think. So yeah, you know, self-love to do me. Do every time, do you do like a self-critical reflection yeah. every time you do a face mask? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's exhausting being like, me. So. Have I been conditioned? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I didn't, you know, I didn't learn to love myself by lighting a fucking candle and exfoliating, did I? But you know, no. <laughs> that's what they try and tell you is the way to do it. So I think well, that, that's a thing. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I think like in, in, in my rise of, of learning to love, of myself, my body and, and just everything, not just my body, but my mind and, and yeah, me. Um, I think there was so much stuff and, and, you know, all of these memes of women in bathtubs, you know, shaving their legs with (laughs) a glass of wine, uh, like their hair in a towel with their laptop next to the bathtub being like (laughs) self-care. Just laughing. I was just like, you're not allowed to love yourself until you do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I just like, it's funny because like I'm, I'm a Taurus and, and I, I do believe that I definitely love indulging in the self-care, but I feel like that also being like, just having to put that disclaimer that, you know, I'm a Taurus and I love self-care. I feel like I've been conditioned into almost having to justify my, my love of expensive self-care items because I have a certain zodiac sign. But then I'm also like, is this, is this the society that I've been brought up in that I have to justify my love of expensive self-care things? Because it's not, okay, I've, I've completely diverted into not even talking about what self-love means to me. I'm just like trying to justify my, my self-care habits. Um, my favorite <laughs> thing is like that nice you somehow things. find a way to make it about Zodiacs. Every single time we talk, it always comes back to Zodiacs. <laughs> Every single time we talk, podcast or not, there is always a reference to me being a Cancer, even though I don't identify as one, and you as a Taurus. Every single time we talk. <laughs> it's just who you are, babe. <laughs> I know. I know. But, yeah, so I think going back to what self-love means to me, because I I guess I always, I've, I've grown up with like a whole of insecurities and and we'll both go into our stories later but I want I discovered that I could love myself as I was probably I feel like it was pretty early on in my modeling journey I don't think I started modeling and I was fully confident with who I was and I have Instagram to thank for that and that's why I am really passionate now about trying to distance myself from body positivity and really calling what I feel like I've come across for myself as self-love and body confidence because when I first stumbled across it, body positivity was an inclusive space for all women, uh, especially fat black women and fat black femmes to love their bodies in a space where um, society didn't really uh, glorify their bodies. Yeah. And probably about five or six years ago, I was a lot, I guess, a lot bigger than I was. And I found these women on Instagram loving themselves sick. And I just thought, wow, this confidence is so beautiful. And I want to to exist in a community that I don't feel like I am being put down for the way that I look um, 
and I want other women to gas me up and and make me feel amazing and I'll do the same for them because they're so beautiful and and then slowly and surely it like any movement I feel uh it kind of became co-opted by white women and and cis white women thin white women and slowly the body positivity uh message got lost and I do want to say that I benefited from uh, the body positivity movement, especially in the beginning of my modeling career. Um, I, I definitely want to recognize my privilege when I when I do kind of say that I, I stepped away from the movement because without that movement, I wouldn't be where I am today. But I think one of the reasons why I tried to distance myself is that it really upset me that I was seen as a like societally acceptable level of fat. And these other women who have incredible bodies, like as they are, are still not given the same respect and treatment as, you know, I would. Um, and then suddenly everyone was body positive and these really, really societally acceptable bodies became the poster children for body positivity. And, you know, they're thin, cis, white, able-bodied women, which don't get me wrong, I think is so important for women to love their bodies given the patriarchal beauty standards that have been set for us. But it just left so many other women behind, so many women that paved the way for this movement to become mainstream. And I think that's why I just, I really didn't feel comfortable anymore um, claiming that I was part of this movement and I wanted to step back and, and just see it for what it was. And it was just self-love um, because I wanted to leave that movement and leave that space for the bodies that have been marginalized and haven't been seen by society as worthy, as valid of the same kind of affirmation and respect and adoration as these thinner bodies got from, from the, the mainstream. So that's where I kind of found self-love because I still think self-love and body positivity exist under the same umbrella. I just don't call them the same thing. Um, But self-love to me is really understanding yourself and really it's not just about like your physical body, but it's about your spiritual body as well and really understanding that person and being okay with all of all of you. So all of your flaws, you know, all of your little, like for me, I am a classic overthinker. And I used to think that there was something wrong with me because I was always like worrying about things. And I've come to realize that, you know, that is a part of who I am and and it's been passed on to me from my mom and my grandma and that sort of thing. And that's kind of, that's a character flaw. Well, not even a flaw, but it's a character trait that I have and, and that's what makes me me. So it's, and then obviously like my physical body, I still have insecurities about, you know, certain parts of my body, but that that is also what makes me me. And this body has been able to carry me through so much, both like emotionally, physically, you know, and, and it's, and it's survived, um, countless times over and over again and you know that I think that for me is where I find that love because this body is incredible um and this body just the way that it is has been able to get me through that I haven't had to change it or haven't needed to change it for it to carry me through really tough times so I think that for me is what self-love means but also finding that confidence in a society that is constantly telling women that they're not beautiful enough, that they have to change certain things about themselves to come out of that on the other end as an almost 30 year old woman to kind of realize 
that I don't need to buy into all of these marketing ploys and I don't need to feel insecure about myself, even though I still do in, in certain times. I'm not saying I'm, I'm free of insecurity. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but being able to break free from um, a lot of that, you know, that's what the ultimate self-love is, I think. And that's like the most powerful thing. And, and it's like the ultimate revolution. It's a massive, like a massive fuck you to the patriarchy. <laughs> I love that. I think that's, yeah, I completely agree with you on all of that. It's, it's very much internal that reflects to the external in terms of self-love. Like you really have to work on the internal before you can even touch physically what your body is like. And I think people start with the physical and they try and come back to the middle and it just doesn't work. Um, so I completely yeah. agree. Well, I was. I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I was um, really fit when I was younger. I did lots of sports. I never had an issue um, with my weight at all. It was just, I just ate a lot of food and I was very tall. Um, I think, I get like emotional thinking about this actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, take your time. um, The first person to ever call me fat was my mum who I love, um, who struggles with her own weight, but it started from a very early age. And I think as I hit puberty and started to gain weight, my body started to change. I still was very thin. Um, and then, you know, throughout the course of high school, you go through different things and I had like a pretty traumatic event happen. And then after that, I put on quite a bit of weight. And so it was just constant, that kind of, you know, commenting on what I was eating and how I looked and how my clothes weren't fitting anymore. And it was definitely just a reflection of her own issues um, that she Mm. still has today. But it really was so like deep rooted in myself. Um, I had to, I moved out of the house and I lived with my grandparents for a little while. And through that time, I actually started to develop disordered eating and I would binge and, and vomit, which is so scarily common for so many people. Um, I don't, and like, we just don't really talk about it. And so it was something I did for about two years and I was incredibly thin. Not long ago, I posted some photos on my Instagram of what I looked like then. And it's like a completely different person. I have incredible bone structure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have really good bone structure. I'll just say about myself as a little positive. And I'm, you know, even though (laughs) I'm, even though I'm, you know, would identify as fat very happily, by the way, I have incredible cheekbones. And so when I like lost a lot of weight, I just looked so ill. I didn't look well, but people commented on it in a really positive way, which I think is so dangerous. So I would just like to say right now that if you feel the need to comment on someone's weight, whether you think it's positive or not, whether you're like, oh my God, you look amazing. Have you lost weight? Please don't because you really don't know what's going on with someone and you don't know how it's affected them or if they've been ill. It's just, it's never a compliment and you just should never comment on someone's body. You just have no idea what people are going through. So yeah, that experience really, you know, obviously I stopped doing that and was really lucky enough to go to therapy and stop doing that. And, you know, have I have had, had issues with it since when I put myself in really stressful situations, it does tend to pop up, but it's definitely not to the point where I feel like I need help with it if that makes sense it's kind of I can self-manage it myself but it's something that will affect me for the rest of my life and it may be a you know for me it's like just a fact of life now which is really sad but it definitely was a, a turning point for me to really consider the fact that 
um, self-love, you know, it, it has to be an internal thing rather than an external thing. I was so miserable in that period. Like I was incredibly depressed. I wasn't like, I wasn't happy no matter how much weight I lost, it was never going to be enough. And I think that by being a good friend and being accountable for the mistakes I make and growing as a person on the inside, you know, that made me, that was self-love for me. And I think a lot of people tend to describe me as intimidating now, which I really take as a compliment because you just have no idea what it was like, you know, 10 years ago for me. Like I just wasn't intimidating. And I think that self-love is the most effective form of of intimidation. So if I come across as scary, it's only because I have so much love for myself now. And the truth is, I think a lot of people you know, even just then, I felt like a little bit uncomfortable saying that I have great cheekbones, even though it's just a fact of life. And I think it can be really uncomfortable for people to say nice, positive things about themselves. And for women in particular, we're, we're told that makes us vain. And I would just like to say, fuck that. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm all about body, like um, being body neutral and not having an opinion on your body. And I think that's a really interesting, incredible movement. Um, but you know, there are so many things that I love about myself. I mean, I looked in the mirror this morning and I was like, oh, look at this, that sucks. Look at this, that sucks. But then I was like, oh my God, this is so stupid. I like to always refer, and I'm trying to remember where I heard it for the first time. It could have actually been in therapy, to be honest. But have you ever heard of the four-year-old rule? No. It's like, it's like when you're about to say something about yourself, you know, when you're about to say, oh, you're fat, you're ugly, you're meant to visualize saying that to the four-year-old version of yourself and think about how that feels and really the yeah, only difference probably wasn't therapy yeah that does <laughs> make sense like, doesn't it's, it? yeah. it's like it's in a child work yeah, <laughs> yeah okay that, yeah that makes sense um but the only difference really between four-year-old you and current you is time and you're yeah. still the same you know fragile human being who wants to be loved regardless of what you look like even if sometimes you don't think that you're deserving of love and kindness you should do it for four-year-old you and that's the main message so I think that's a really good exercise if you're ever feeling really shit about yourself in front of the mirror because we do it's just a fact of life like we're all going to feel insecure no matter what we can't you can control them your person the way you personally view the media but the media is still very thin and white you know (laughs) like as much as it starts slowly changing but with people like you Jen it's still a really long way away from any kind of diversity that we would see in the mainstream particularly in Australia Australia is really bad with it so get to a point where you know (laughs) but yeah what do you what do you think is a good way of tackling like trying to change your feed or to change your mindset when obviously the media is so biased (laughs) I think the most important thing obviously the media is the media I have a love-hate relationship with the media obviously I studied journalism so it's been a huge part of my I guess like adult life Um, I think really it comes down to what you consume yourself because the media is always going to be what it is sadly so I think it's it's about you realizing that maybe what you've been consuming in the past is more toxic than you realize. Um, And then curating your feed, curating the accounts that you follow, or even like the podcasts that you listen to. Like, do you listen to, for, for me, you know, something that I was like, do I even listen to any podcasts by fat women, you know, yeah. or am I listening to podcasts by thin women? Because I feel like the experience, the lived experiences that some of these people are sharing come through in, in, in what they talk about, or even news sources even like there are certain um certain sites are better than others um certain magazines are better than others and yeah I think it's 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 really about trying to be as intersectional with your consuming as possible like if if you're not being intersectional 
then you're not really consuming properly, in my opinion, um, because you yeah. can't advocate for everyone. Yeah. You can't. And, and that comes down to like feminism as well. Like, you know, a lot of women that I know call themselves feminists, but it's very white feminist uh, orientation. And yeah. it's like, well, what about the rest, the rest of us, you know? And that's, I guess, I guess I'll start talking about my story because I grew up, um, well, we both grew up in Australia um, and Australia's perception of beauty is not intersectional and it still is not intersectional at all. Um, Like I grew up with a very, um, well, the image of Australian beauty when I was growing up was a thin white beach babe, a little bit tanned, a little bit toned. Um, and, and to be honest, that's still, that's still the epitome of Australian beauty, um, in, in my opinion, uh, and that's 2020 and I was growing up, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, and I, I guess like I've always struggled with my body, but I've, I've also struggled a lot with my identity growing up, growing up like my mom. I love my mom and, and. I know she listens to this and, and I do want to say like nothing that I say is a reflection of her. It's just, you know, it's a product of its time and, and, you know, it kind of is what it is. And I, you know, but I grew up, my mom in my, in my mixed race, you know, family is my mom is, is white. So a lot of the the beauty ideals, I guess, that I was exposed to were, were that of her, like she was my idol, you know, growing up of, of, of beauty. Um, and I couldn't see myself in that. It was really hard to see myself in that. And it actually wasn't until I went to visit my uh, dad's side of the family in Reunion that I finally understood my genetics and my body shape. But growing up, I didn't have that. Growing up, I just had my white mom and my white grandma and my white cousins and I didn't have any single member of my black female lineage to look up to and to understand where my body shape came from. So I was so confused, you know, especially in Australia with such a white washed media and idea of female beauty, which, you know, is that Eurocentric beauty standards, but it was like ever much more present there because there wasn't even you know, uh, the, the black woman with Eurocentric features, there was just no black women. There weren't even any mixed race women in, in, uh, advertising or media when I grew up. And I was constantly told, uh, by both her and my grandma that when they were growing up, they were really thin. They were like a bean pole and they didn't even put on any weight during puberty. And suddenly when I did, and, and mind you, my puberty started at like 12. Mm. I was very early developing. Um, but I, I think I had like D cup boobs at 13. I was like, I looked very mature at a very young age. And I just remember constantly being reminded that my mom was thin when she was my age and that she had to wear boys jeans because she didn't have hips. And I don't think she ever meant it negatively. But to me, it came across that, well, I'm not like her when I was a kid. And then I had a brother, <laughs> uh, and I don't want to get into that on, mm. on this podcast, but I had <laughs> yeah. I had a situation <laughs> with my brother that 
it was like a recurring joke that I was adopted. Um, but it wasn't a joke to me. It was really, it really ground me away because I was already struggling with my identity. Um, living in, in, in Australia where I was like one of the only black kids in school and like, it, it was just a really weird thing to go through. Um, and then, you know, I, my yeah. grandma, I'd go visit her and I just have this one memory of her, like sitting next to her and having this like slap on the top of my thigh being like, oh, these could do with a bit of work. These could do with a bit of work. And then I would always be questioned as to whether or not I'd want to get seconds. You know, are you sure you really need to eat that? And I was such an active young kid. I played soccer. I played netball. I played AFL. I, I danced. I, I was so active. So it wasn't a question of me being yeah. inactive. You weren't unhealthy. There was no, no and I was, was just unhealthy. a kid. Like I had a, a, a metabolism that was growing. I was a, a, a hungry, active kid. And, her, you know, even if I wasn't, if I want to get second, I shouldn't be guilted, guilt-tripped into not wanting seconds. Like that kind of language is just so damaging because that shaped the way that I view food and then subsequently uh, ended up having disordered eating as a result because I I feel like for me as well, I saw being thin and white as uh, the ultimate success. Like I would be, I was also really nerdy as a kid, um, which something that I look back now at and think, well, no, you were just like, <laughs> you were just smart and you were told that being smart and being pretty couldn't go hand in hand, um, which is also yeah hard and I'm still kind of battling with that now myself. And I, I love people like AOC who is like such a badass like role model for me in that, in that space because I think she's incredibly beautiful and she's yeah. incredibly smart and she's doing some incredible things. So I'm just like, she's my role model. Um, but... <laughs> I've got so much I want to say and I and I and I'm really like it it's quite emotional delving into this because it is talking about things that were yeah, of course. quite I guess quite traumatic for me in my past but yeah I think with my disordered eating and and wanting to be I literally wanted to be like this thin white girl um because I thought that being thin would make me popular and then popularity would you know lead me to having nice things and I guess like that's also capitalism <laughs> and like the, the beauty, the, the beauty <laughs> myth of, of, you know, if you're thin, you'll have it all. And, you know, the boys will love you. Like, the, you know, the men will love you if you're thin and, and, you know, the other women will love you if you're thin and you'll, you'll have all these friends. And, and I think honestly, that's probably why I wanted to start modeling when I was younger, because I saw this like glamorous life. That's so interesting. And I was like, I want that because not that I, I, not that I had a bad life or anything, but like, I just didn't have, I also went to a private school and I was like the scholarship kid at the private school. So I think I saw this like opulence and this luxury and I wanted in. And I felt like the only way to get in yeah. was to be thin, which is so sad. But I ended up befriending this girl at the time. She became my best friend and, and it was a very codependent relationship. Um, but we would um we would binge and purge together. And she she taught me a way that I could, you know, 
eat whatever I wanted and be thin. And I was, there was so many other things going on in my life at that point too. I was very, very deeply troubled. Um, and you know, that for me was this one thing that I had control over and that has then stemmed now into my, my adult life that I I know now, like whenever I'm in a period where I'm kind of losing, I guess, control over my life, or I think I'm losing control over my life. Yeah. I, my eating is the first thing that goes. And I know straight away it's like, and I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> here we go. 100%. That's exactly what I meant. That's exactly what I meant before. Yeah. It's like, it's when it's those really stressful moments in your life where you're just like, everything's out of control. You can only, and you, and it's stuff that you can't make decisions on and you're waiting on other people. And it's just, everything just starts to go. And yeah, the first thing is, is my, your eating patterns and you pick it up straight away and you know, it's like, okay, like get back to therapy or yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I don't know if I want to share this and I'll discuss, but alongside my disordered eating, I also discovered that certain drugs, uh, keep weight off as well. So yeah, I think like hand in hand, I had some really bad, um, well, I say they were bad and they like, obviously they were bad habits, but it was a result of me having some deep, deep trauma and some issues that I didn't fully deal with in my life, like my childhood and my adolescence. I didn't really deal with it until I was probably about 25. Um, and it was when I finally started in therapy and really getting to like the root of why actually, no, it wasn't even 25. It was after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend because that he was a very emotionally, um, emotionally abusive person. And it was realizing I literally hit rock bottom after that. And I realized my worth very slowly after that. Um, but it was after him, he kind of like broke me and I had to put the pieces back together. Um, and that's probably when I really, really hit that point of, no, actually I'm fucking fantastic. Like I'm fabulous and no one is, like, no one is ever going to break me like that again. And like, I have such a huge wall up for people now, but I don't want to let people into my space. Like I've done so much work on myself. I've healed myself to a point where I am finally like, I don't think it's a wall. No, I think it's just boundaries. <laughs> like I, don't think it's, I was about to say, it's literally just really healthy boundaries that you have now that you've developed over time. It's definitely not you like blocking people out. You're just more protective of your time and energy. And I think that that's a really good yeah. thing. And that's when I say like, you know, self-love, it has to be internal before it can be external. Like you cannot. um, And I'm not a medical professional, um, but I I strongly believe that you cannot fully love yourself if you don't love, like you can't love the external self if you don't love the internal self. Because that at the end of the day, that's the person that you're with 24-7, your inner inner self. Yeah. I also want to say that as much as it's important to have self-love, um, it's not going to be possible a hundred percent of the time <laughs> and that's okay. You don't have to love yourself all the time. And there are going to be times when you really, if you like fuck up really badly, like you're not going to love yourself. If you do something really mean or really horrible, like you're not going to have self-love in that moment, but you will have self-love when you 
fix the situation and you take accountability and you apologize and you work on that part of yourself, that is when you will start to have self-love. But some days you're just going to wake up and you're just going to feel like shit for no reason. And it's okay. And like, it's up to you how you want to deal with that. For me, sometimes I just like to like mellow in it and actually like marinate in that really <laughs> shitty feeling. I make a, If I've got the day off, I make a whole day of it. I watch miserable movies. I cry. I wank. I do anything <laughs> I can um, to really like bring myself back. Like, you know what I mean? Like just to stay in that shitty, yeah. shitty time. Um, and then later on in the day, I'm like, you know what? I've eaten two pizzas and, you know, wanked five times. So I think that's enough. I think that's my pity party. Um, and it's time to get up now and change the sheets, you know? So don't be so hard on yourself if you can't master self-love and it's just like straight away and you can't do it every day because it's just not humanly yeah. possible. You're not going to love yourself, you know, every day of the year. You'll be lucky if you love yourself eight months yeah. of the year. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just the way that life is. You you won't appreciate the days you love yourself if you don't have the days yeah. that you don't, you know? Well, I find as well like and I think to my my days of like where I, I don't really love myself 100%, it's always in the lead up to my period as well. And I am every single time, yeah. like without fail, I forget. Even though it's in my ca- calendars, it's always written down <laughs> that like, you know, this day – like I'm synced up with with the new moon, so I will always bleed around like the new moon, ovulate around the full moon. Of course you do. <laughs> Bloody werewolf. <laughs> Bloody werewolf but is what you are. <laughs> when when I, I like I track my cycle and I know the week that I'm gonna start PMSing, but every single week I'm like, oh, I feel like shit, or like I'm bloated. And I used to I used to say, oh my god, I feel so fat. But then I was like, no, 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 no. Fat is not a feeling. I need to shift my 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 thinking because that's incredibly fat phobic. Because it like yeah. you just can't feel fat. So it's like, well, what do I feel? I feel bloated. I feel sluggish, sluggish tired, tired. You know. Um, and then I'm always I'm always like pottering around the house, like moping, like uh, like looking at myself in the mirror, doing a side comparison, which very damaging, but. I know when I'm doing it and I know it's problematic. And then there are some days I wake up and I'm like, I fucking have my body. Like, look at my booty. I'm like, you know, I go from, I, it's like a roller coaster with me. It's always like <laughs> every, every week with, without fail of like that pre-period week. I'm, I forget that it's the pre-period week. And then like my first day of bleeding, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. That's why I was feeling shit well, for a really week. funny because. <laughs> It's really funny because um, because of the contraception I use, I don't I don't bleed like I don't get my period. So I think I really totally forget. Like I could not tell you right. I could be on my period right now and I wouldn't be able to tell you honestly. Um, but I do know that there's been a few times where I've gotten really like angry or really upset for no reason over something really small, like dropping a bowl and I'll like burst yeah. into tears or I'll just be walking around the house and I won't realize it, but I'll be like every few minutes over nothing. I'll be like, <laughs> and my housemate will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I don't know why though. And I, yeah, now that you've said it, it is probably to do with my cycle, but I just don't know at any time where I'm at. I like to keep things interesting. It could be like, it could be like a wheel of fortune. Like what's going to happen today? <laughs> like, just have no idea. That's <laughs> no, so funny. Well, look, I think the media has a lot of responsibility for a lot of our self-esteem issues and it really shapes like our culture. So I think the 
the biggest thing that you can take away from this is you need to work, like what you said before, you need to work on diversifying the content you consume. Like it changed my life five or six years ago. I decided to unfollow kind of, I was following lots of like thin white fitness bloggers on Instagram, but I had to unfollow them because if you're constantly consuming and accessing the same content delivered by the same type of people, you're never going to have an open mind to other perspectives. And there's so many cool black plus size trans, incredible like Instagram accounts that you can follow. Like um the the hashtag what saggy boobs yeah, matter? The sunflower. Um, the sunflower. Yeah. Slumflower. Yeah which has empowered so many people. Like I've read stories of people that were going in to get um, their breasts lifted and they were like, well, you know, even with like sometimes, like I've got quite saggy boobs sometimes and I'm like, oh, I wish they were just like a little bit perkier. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Like they're cool. They're amazing. Like look at these bad boys. You can't look at them, but I'm like flashing no one in the studio right now. But like they are so cool. And like why am I worried about them sitting just like a little bit higher? Like it really doesn't matter. Or like, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's obviously amazing hashtags. Trans is beautiful was one that I saw blow up really recently. And it's just so many incredible stories of people going through the transition or not going through the transition and just embrace, like, you know what I mean? And staying, you know, and I think that's incredible as well, but there are thousands of these pages that are just dedicated to uplifting fat bodies and there's fashion blogs for, you know, physically disabled people. And there's queer couples that are just living their best lives. And like, you just need to search for these empowering, you know, Insta accounts and look for the ones that are run by black people, trans people and queer people. And we can probably, we can compile a list and post it on the page. One of my favorite Instagrammers is Aaron Phillip and she's a black trans model, um, also disabled. And she's incredible. And like, you know, you just got to, find yeah. these accounts rather than just keep feeding into the same ones. And this is why, where I think like brands and, and media companies have really failed us, especially in Australia, because they use like, they use the same influences. And I remember when like the black, yeah, the black square was posted and all of these brands like, but we don't know, like, we don't know where to find any of these influences. Like, you know, help us, like help us. And, you know, a lot of them were like, Oh, wow, they outed themselves. Yeah, like they did. They're like, we just can't find any. There aren't any in Australia to use. And I was just like, well, A, that's so ignorant because 30% of Australia is like black, indigenous, people of color minimum. Uh, So what do you, like, where do you think we're living? Like under fucking rocks? Like, no. Um, And then like, (laughs) I feel like in Australia too, they, they kind of, it's so tokenized that, they think that if they've got like one black person, then that's enough. Mm. <laughs> but there's a like, massive pet there's, like, there's shades of black. There's shades of indigenous. There's shades of like yeah. color, you know. And and one color doesn't represent all color. It will for for a small period of time, you know, when you're t- trying to bridge that gap of being more inclusive, like that. And that's what tokenism is. And and. And for me, I feel like I always saw my tokenistic inclusion as that step towards greater diversity, but it hasn't got to the greater diversity yet. Like it's just stopped at me. (laughs) And that's what annoys me because, you know, yes, I'm black and yes, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm like a medium shade of, of dark. Like if I really, (laughs) if I really want to like pinpoint like how dark I am, like I'm definitely not white. And I don't just have a good tan, like this is my color 24-7. But, you know, 
and I know like a lot of black people can see themselves in me and a lot of white people can see themselves in me and that's like Eurocentric beauty standards and a whole lot of other stuff that I can unpack but in another episode but you know yeah why can't darker women why can't black women have black representation you know why can't fat women have fat representation why does it have to stop us at a size 16 you know in Australia as well like the representation we get for quotation marks body positivity is like ends at a size 16 Australian which is a US 12. Oh huge pet peeve I won't name the brand but recently I was shopping and um a friend that you introduced me to, um, Genev was one yeah. of the models that was used in the marketing in the store. Um, and I was super excited and I sent her a photo and I was like, oh my God, what you've got on looks amazing. I'm going to try and find it in the store. And the store only stocked up to a size 14, but they had Genev in all of their marketing around the store who is a size 16. And it was like, it felt like the biggest, for lack of a better term, cock tea. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> How? Well, that's like brands. It was so frustrating. That's like brands that extend their sizing, but then have like up to a size 14 in store and then 16 to 18 online. (coughs) Yeah. I won't name names, but there is a brand that does that and try to get clout for being diverse, which is frustrating. So I think uh, Sports Girl did the same thing. I've seen it. I've seen it doing its rounds. Oh, that's so funny because I, I was going to say, I don't remember the last time I bought anything. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's so true. And, like, they want the clout. They want to jump on the body information, you know, party well. bus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, how much, like, you really, you really just, like, took a piss on the whole thing. Why can't you just go the extra mile and actually do it? You know what I mean? Like it's so frustrating. To to women that are over a size 14, that they're not worthy. Like you're not worthy of shopping in a regular brick and mortar store. You have to shop online because we don't want you in here because you're fat. The worst thing as well is do they understand how hard it is for plus size women to shop online and how many returns that is and how like it's, if you'd much more likely, I'd re- I'd prefer it if they had small, medium, and large online and everything else in store because guaranteed, like if someone orders a small, you know, it's probably going to fit them or they'll need a medium. But if you try and order something plus size online, the su- the sizing scales are so different in every single store that it's just near impossible to get it right the first time. And then you go through the process of returning, waiting for the refund, getting it again, returning, waiting for the refund, getting it again. And it's such a waste of time. And it just, it's, it is really yeah. dehumanizing. It really is. Yeah. There's a blogger that I follow, Australian blogger that I follow, um, Katie Parrott. And she, she's incredible for um, her stance on like Australian fashion and, and inclusivity and sizing and, and, you know, how if brands really want to extend their sizing, they can, um, you know, do it properly rather than grade up, um, actually fit on plus size bodies and not just like a size 16, but also on a size 24. And she often will show like the differences in sizes between brands. I think Kate Wosley does it as well. Um, there's that, like, there's heaps of, Heaps of bloggers, um, yeah. I think, in Australia. And actually, before I forget, when you're looking at people, because these are invaluable resources, these people are just doing For this free. 
to be to be helpful for free so a lot of them and will have a paypal link and if you know if they've benefited you and helped with your re-education then tip them do especially in a time like this when you know creatives are the first people to lose their jobs and the last ones to go back you know it's just the way it's going to work with this so make sure that you are compensating them for the work that they are doing because it's invaluable you know any kind of education that you're getting if it's, you know, especially with like the black activism, so many black um, women. Absolutely. They're sharing resources on how, you know, you can be anti-racist for free. This is more emotional labor that black women are doing and they need to be adequately compensated, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I know that it's a tough time for everyone and, and we may not have a lot of, like everyone's kind of had to take a little bit of a hit to their income. It doesn't have to be a massive amount, even if it's just, it, it's whatever even you can. Even if it's $2, it if like a thousand everyone that gives someone $2, yeah, literally. they've got like 2000 That's That's math, right? <laughs> yeah, you think that it's like that mentality that you think you're not going to make a difference, but you do make a difference. And also that $2 is nothing to you but receiving that knowing that you're being acknowledged for your work no matter how much the amount is is so like uh gratifying to the work that you're doing so do make sure that you do it so we can continue with the re-education of everything that is our lives in 2020 oh my gosh 2020 (laughs) is the year of relearning learning to do it is the great unlearn and then the great genuinely is really is Oh, well, do you have any kind of final thoughts about self-love and body positivity that you want to share? Yeah, I just think that, you know, I've I've definitely focused a lot on the more like fat activism side of of self-love and why that's important. But I do want to say that regardless of what size you are, we as women have been fed unrealistic beauty standards by men since we were born. So it is completely normal even if you're a size six or if you're a size 26 to feel unfair um, expectations on your body so your feelings of your body if if you are feeling that it's inadequate are completely valid and that's body dysmorphia and look into body dysmorphia like educate yourself on body dysmorphia and you know if you think it's a real problem um go get some help therapy is amazing but also (laughs) We are big advocates yeah, for therapy. Don't, I feel like there are so many resources out there and a lot of uh, thinner women don't even realize that they're being fat phobic, but they are. Um, so especially on Instagram, yeah. I've started to see like a trend of, of like thin women passing off yeah. like, yeah, like passing off body positivity or like body love uh, by like pinching at what, like at their mm. perceived <laughs> Uh, fat and flaws and imperfections and saying, you know, this is like, this is normal, L- love yourself regardless. Should you be doing that? Absolutely. But in a different way, it's just the way that it's happening. I, I definitely feel like every woman should oh. learn how to love their body when it's sitting down and you've got roles because you're sitting down because you can't sit without getting roles. Or if you're posing, like we all know no one actually sits pose 24 7 so like shifting that conversation that that's not actually how you look like when you sit in a bikini so important but should you be calling it body positivity no (laughs) like just flat out no (laughs) absolutely (laughs) because it's not so frustrating thing oh women with with larger bodies like it is so frustrating because it, it makes me think if this is what she 
thinks is like fat or if this is what she thinks is is un is not normal or her like insecurity how does that make where do where do I fit into this and it kind of kicks my insecurities off again and so then I start questioning myself so it it's it's just about being conscious if you have a platform yeah if you have a platform and you know I like I feel like they know in a way, I understand that they have body they know what they're doing. You know, like we just said, everybody does. They know exactly what they're doing. And that's what pisses me off. If they were just ignorant, I feel like I would have more patience for it. But it fucking infuriates me because they are profiting off a movement that has nothing to do with them. And it's like, could you just let us have this one yeah. thing? Do you know what I mean? You can walk into any store and they will have your size. You will never face the problems that plus size women do. And it's just incredibly infuriating for you to try and compare your experience with ours. So please don't stop it. Don't do it anymore. Okay. You can be insecure about your body and that's fine, but please get off our bandwagon. Okay. (laughs) With social media as well. I just want to say, um, obviously that is a massive tool for insecure, you know, leading to people's insecurities and you are going to compare. And like we said before, you can change your feed and we'll post up maybe some like, we'll post up maybe like 10 people that you could follow. Um, cause obviously the more like people that you follow that are fat and black and queer, the more your feed will change. It just does that automatically. So we'll do that as well. But with social media, yeah, I think that something to understand about it is you don't owe anyone yeah. pretty or thin. And you'll see pretty and thin and whatever. You'll see pretty on my social media, but you'll also see some really like raw confronting posts where I share too much information or really ugly, ridiculous photos after a big night out. <laughs> but I love that but about I love you because you keep it real. You know, 100%. And whichever state I choose to show up in will always be enough for me. Like I'm not here for anybody's consumption. I'm here for me. And once you, I promise you, once you ha- come to that realisation, that is a massive step towards self-love because it's so freeing. There's so much freedom in that when you can just make fun of yourself and and not have not everything has to be perfect. Let go of that expectation of yourself because once you do, you'll feel so much freedom. So that would be like my takeaway as well for you to I'm have a think cry. about. Is, like you know? actually, oh. that's what I need to do. So I'm like, I'm not fully at my co- most confident yet, I think. And I, I've really, especially... Uh, over the past few months, I've been really questioning a lot of what my role on social media is because I feel like I do have a platform and I have a responsibility to be the most ethical is not the right word, but I want to, yeah, I, I want to show the real me on social media. And I feel like I have for a really long time still tried to fit in to the white standard of beauty on social media by the brands that contact me because they want that little snippet of diversity. Um, because you know, I, I still feel like body positivity is white. It's for white women. Um, it's been co-opted and it's for white women. And I feel like I kind of lost sight of just being me and I don't post because I want to, I post because I have to, and I don't want to perpetuate this anymore <laughs> and I love what you post Amy because I'm just like oh, I'm just like Bob. I wish I could just post that and then you know the guy that I'm dating is like well you, you can, can. That's or you, and, and if, like for me I'm just like I just don't yeah. want to be on Instagram anymore he's like well then why don't you 
and it's like it's a question that I'm dealing with. I'm like, well, yeah, why why aren't I like why am I on Instagram? Like I I personally feel like at the moment my Instagram feed maybe is not working for me, but I also feel like it is just so full of marketing and fakeness and people living with these masks on, not actually revealing their true selves because they're almost afraid of what society will think of their true selves. But that true self is the the person that I want to be seeing. I want to be seeing everyone's real selves. And 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 I'm talking to myself now too. Yeah. Like I want to show you my real self. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast because the podcast, you will see the real me. Like I'm, I want to be no filter because yeah. we have been so conditioned into holding back and to, to not showing or not saying certain things um, because of, of what other people will think of us. But who cares what they think? If we're happy... If we're happy, literally, like if we're happy as we are, if we're happy saying whatever the fuck we want to say, who gives a shit what other people think? Not everyone is going to like you. And that's something that I've realized. Like not everyone is going to like you, but if you like you and your friends like you and your family like you, your chosen family like you, that's the most important thing. That's all that matters. Yeah. I love that. I feel like we just captured your I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to see, um, you know, and ridiculous Jen on social media. Yeah, well, I'm not going out anymore, so there won't be any so like drunken yeah. antics anymore. But, <laughs> but well, that's all right. Even just like with a, you know, when you've got a really, just wait till you've got like a really bad pimple or breakout, and then be like, ha, here we go, I'm ready. <laughs> oh my god, that was yesterday, yeah. and I had this huge pimple on my face, and and this guy he didn't tell me, which I feel like he just he doesn't need to tell me because he obviously like likes me warts and all. But I was just like, how could you not tell me that I have a huge like pimple? ready to be popped on my face it's like to be fair I, pro- I probably wouldn't have told you either I feel like that's <laughs> awkward I wouldn't do that <laughs> I asked him to pop it for me and he was like no I would just let you live <laughs> oh god no that's too much we're leaving it there no that's disgusting that's enough these people don't deserve this okay I love all right let's end it there I hate it ah, turn it off <laughs> ah. All right, well, I'll see you next time, my dear. I can't wait for our next episode, which I'm super so excited, excited about. So <laughs> stay tuned. And we're here if you need, as always. Bye.